Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. We have some preliminary data, and what that data shows us is that 70% of you who've taken the survey report that the amount of time you spend working has increased, the amount of time that you spend online has increased. Um, So 70 and 80% respectively, Um, And about a third of you actually feel less connected to your colleagues than you did before the pandemic. And part of this, we can attribute to some of the factors that we actually see on the screen right now, right? So on the left side of your screen, you see a graphic that I really love from Amber Ray, which really describes the emotional roller coaster many of us has been on since the beginning of the pandemic. And part of that emotional roller coaster has been tied to the four factors that you actually see on the right side of the screen. Obviously, there are more factors, um, but these are some of the major ones that I want to point out to you and highlight for you. Um, the first is is the prolonged uncertainty of not knowing what's happening with, with the rollout of vaccines, for example, and, and boosters and how safe it is to go to certain places. And, you know, what, what does it mean in terms of, you know, wearing a mask and getting vaccinated and all those types of things. Then, of course, the uncertainty around what, what does work and life actually look like now compared to before the pandemic? What do we need to do in order to keep ourselves safe and to keep our loved ones safe? There's also the, the social isolation. And I know that for many of us that maybe are extroverts and we thrive on the energy of connecting with folks in person, um, maybe we're not able to do that as much because we're working remotely, or even if we're in person, you know, having to wear a mask in certain settings, um, perhaps that can also be a barrier to connecting um, with folks, even if we are in person. Uh, There's the challenge with work-life balance, of course, especially if we're spending a lot of time working from home, all of those things seem to have blurred together um, for some of us. Then of course, the technology overload piece, right? So we're connected through a webinar, through this wonderful platform, and it's not lost on me that this is probably not the first or the last of these types of interactions that you're gonna have today, or perhaps even uh, this week. So those are things that we are aware of as we think about how we are thinking about um, all the challenges that we are dealing with. And then one final thing I want to share with you is something that I call intention deficit disorder or IDD. And this is where we find ourselves moving through our life, moving through our work on autopilot. And when we're doing that, for some of us, it might manifest as just waking up first thing in the morning, grabbing our phones, grabbing our devices, we're responding to emails, text messages, we're making our to-do list, we're looking at our calendars, we're doing all of those things sometimes before we even roll out of bed and we spend our entire day managing all those distractions. And then we wonder at the end of our days and at the end of our weeks, do we actually get anything meaningful done? Like, yes, we're tired. Yes, we're exhausted. Yes, we can say that we were busy and we had lots of back-to-back meetings, but did we actually move the needle on the things that were really important? So if you found yourself in, in a similar situation, you found yourself asking those questions, chances are you might have been experiencing or might be experiencing right now what I would describe as intention deficit uh, disorder. So what do you think has been the biggest contributor? If you had to guess, what do you think has been the biggest contributor to a change in your well-being since COVID-19? Many of you mentioned that it stayed the same or that it declined. What do you attribute to that? Uh, for many folks that are surveyed, they cite you know mental health as being one of the challenges increased workload, social isolation, um, challenges with home life, technology overload, concerns about job security. I'm curious to hear from folks in the chat. What would you attribute to your 
uh, change in your uh, well-being since COVID-19. If you mentioned that there was a decline, if you're one of those folks that said it declined, if it stayed the same, I'm curious to what you think it, what, what have you attributed to the fact that your well-being has probably stayed the same? What What is working for you that has allowed you to stay the same? So we're going to give folks a few moments. Uh, let's talk about this in terms of how do we address it, right? So we've talked a little bit about the challenges, but how do we actually address it? So I want to spend the bulk of the time that we have today actually talking about that. And I want to share with you as we start a model from two professors from Cambridge University that talk about addressing well-being challenges in the workplace. And essentially, it's a model that in, at a, at a, at a institutional or organizational level allows us to follow a three-step process to address these challenges um, that includes preempting, detecting, and remedying those changes. And so when it comes to preemption, we want to be focused on creating a culture of care. That means we care about people, we're building connections with people, and we're not just concerned about work product or the outcomes, but we're actually legitimately concerned about the individuals as a person, right? That we are building in strong work-life boundaries and we're not just depending on the individual to create those boundaries, but it's actually set up as part of the work that we're doing. So for example, you know, Peggy talked about wanting to have a beach vacation. Um, well, what if that were in some way a part of the culture where everyone received a certain amount of time to go on sabbatical to be able to do something like what Peggy was talking about? Regularly reassessing our job designs, right? For many of us, our workloads have shifted and increased during the pandemic. And really, for some of us, doesn't really reflect the job roles and the description that we had before the pandemic, right? So are we realigning expectations and responsibilities and even compensation based on those changes. Um, the next is around detection, right? So regular check-ins with folks, doing surveys, depending on self-reporting. Then of course, remedying, right? So we have a, a range of tools that we can use. And what I wanna focus on for the purpose of today's training is really individual and team strategies, right? So addressing the institutional and organizational aspect of this is a longer term um, proposition Perhaps we can have a, a separate webinar training on that if folks are interested. But for today, I want to talk about individual and team strategies that you can put into place right now, um, notwithstanding what's happening at the organizational or the institutional level. And so that starts with really, I, I believe, um, taking a more mindful or an intentional approach to how we're doing some of these things, right? So. I really love this graphic on the screen as an illustration of that. Um, it, it demonstrates what it might mean to be mindful or mindless versus mindful, right? So you see a person here, the sun is shining. Maybe they're at the beach and there's some trees there, you know, for Peggy's dream vacation. But you see the person there, they have all these thoughts that are going on in their head and they're, they're trying to focus on those things while also being fully present to what's happening there, right? And then we have the dog, right? The dog is seems to be there really enjoying the sunshine, the trees, and really just being present in the moment. So let us know in the chat, how many of you would much rather be more like the dog? If you would rather be more like the dog, um, let us know in the chat, give us a yes or a thumbs up, or just let us know if you would like to be more like the dog. I think for many of us, many of us probably like to have more moments more experiences where we are like the dog. We're able to be more fully present and tuned into what's happening and not distracted by all the things that are happening um, in our head and all the things that are actually going on around us. So we're gonna go ahead and keep this moving. And we wanna talk about addressing all of the things that we're dealing with. And I wanna start with um, strategies for addressing uncertainty. And we're gonna begin to move this forward. And I see Peggy, 
as chiming in and def definitely agrees for sure wants to be more like the dog. So we talked about uncertainty is one of the challenges that we're dealing with. Let's talk about some of the ways that we can deal with that really quickly. So the first is really simple and maybe really obvious, but also very powerful, right? And it's really about the power of acknowledging our new reality, right? And so when we talk about going back to work, quote unquote, when we talk about the great resignation, really what we're talking about is the evolution of work, right? Things have changed. They are not going back to, to, to what they were before. And the sooner we can acknowledge that, the better off we're gonna be, even if we don't have all the answers. One of the best things that we can do is to simply acknowledge, yes, there's been change, there's been disruption. Yes, the way in which we work internally, the way in which we work with our grantees, that has to change. We don't have all the answers, we're still figuring it out, but let's simply acknowledge that, right? And one of the things that we know, the power of this type of acknowledgement is linked to higher fulfillment at work, it, it creates a healthier work environment, and employees feel more motivated because they feel seen, they feel heard, and they feel like they have a sense of certainty even amid the seeming chaos, right? And so simply acknowledging what's happening, even if you don't have all the answers, can be very powerful in terms of addressing uncertainty. Something else that is, that is very powerful here is something that I learned about how first responders are trained to respond to accidents or, or how to respond to a crisis, and that is that they are trained to walk as opposed to run. They're trained to walk as opposed to run. So if you know why first responders are trained to walk as opposed to run, we'd love to hear from you in the chat. And while you all are getting your thoughts together, if you have something to share, I wanna share with you what I have learned and how it applies to this, this challenge around uncertainty. So first responders are trained to walk and, and as opposed to running, primarily because if you're running, you're more likely to trip and maybe fall and hurt yourself. So for example, if you arrive on the scene of a car accident as a first responder, you trip and fall, cut yourself on glass, and you're not able to be fully available to serve the people that you've been called to support, right? So that's one of the reasons that they're trained to walk as opposed to run. But the other reason has to do with the fact that when you're rushing and when you're running through life, when you're running through work, um, you know, figuratively, What's happening is that your cortisol levels rise and your ability to be fully aware and present and mindful of everything that is happening in your surroundings is severely diminished. So if we're using the example of that first responder that's responding to a car accident, they're rushing and they rush to the first person that they see when they arrive on the scene, maybe they miss the fact that there are two other people on the other side of the vehicle that are in critical condition and actually need their support a bit sooner than the person that they were that they first rushed to. So I want us to imagine what it would be like to be first responders for our life, first responders for our work. We are slowing down or we're walking as opposed to running. We are like the dog in that picture that I showed you. And we're fully assessing everything that is in front of us. And we're able to see that even though our plate is overloaded, even though we have so many things on our list, we have a clearer picture of what actually needs our focus now versus later versus not at all. Sometimes when we're rushing and we're busy, we're checking things off the list, but we're not actually checking off the right things or the things that actually matter for right now. And walking as opposed to running, slowing down as opposed to rushing can make a big difference when it comes to that. Connected to this, one of the things that we often do uh, when it comes to you know, uncertainty is many of us are moving on autopilot. I talked about intention deficit disorder, for example. We are reacting to life 
we are reacting to work. And one of the challenges with that is that we are operating on assumptions, right? So how many of us are responding to emails in the order that we actually receive them in our inbox, right? How many of us are accepting and saying yes to every calendar invite that we receive for work, right? How many of us are saying yes for every committee assignment that we've been asked to volunteer for, right? Part of that has to do with the fact that many of us are making assumptions about what is being required of us, but something that's actually not being expected of us. What do I mean by that? Well, just because someone sends you an email doesn't mean that they're expecting or that they actually need a response right away, right? But for many of us, we feel like we have to stop what we're doing and give an immediate response right away so that we can seem like we're responsive, we can seem like we're on top of it, um, and we can feel like we're being productive and we're being helpful and we're being a good colleague, right? But sometimes the opposite can be true. When we have those unwritten assumptions that we're responding to, we don't give ourselves space to actually focus on the things that actually matter right here in this moment. And so instead of making assumptions, we can actually ask the question, hey, you know, Ray, I received your email. Um, I saw your question. Would it be okay if I got back to you in 24 hours or 48 hours? Um, and whatever the answer is, you're gonna have a, a bit more certainty about how to prioritize um, things on your schedule as opposed to making assumptions and then stressing yourself out about trying to meet those unwritten assumptions. So one of the ways that we can deal with this is by creating your ground rules or something that I call your rules of engagement. And this is really an ongoing conversation that we're having with our teams, with our supervisors, um, with the folks in our organization, even external stakeholders about when are we actually available for our work? What hours are we actually working? Yes, there are going to be times where things might need to change, we need to be flexible, but generally speaking, when are you available for your work? When are you available for non-work? When are you available for focus time, right? That time to actually do that work that's generated by all those Zoom meetings that you're sitting on, right? What's the best way to reach you when something is urgent versus non-urgent? Should I send you an email if something is non-urgent? Should I text you or call you if something is really urgent and I need a response right away? What does that actually look like? And can we have ongoing conversations about what this looks like? And then how soon should we expect a response, right? Not making assumptions, but actually making an explicit ask, hey, based on the level of urgency and importance of this, based on whether it was an email or text message or a phone call, you know, how soon should we expect people to be able to respond? How soon should we be responding to those types of inquiries, right? So recognizing that these are gonna change with the seasons of our life and work, but nonetheless, having a conversation about these things on an ongoing basis. So those are a few strategies for addressing some of the uncertainty. If you have things you wanna to add to this list, I um, would love to hear from you in the chat, things that you might wanna add as we move forward and begin to talk about strategies for work-life balance, 